1: like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. The company a Sunday morning. It's January 15th. We're doing the Monday episode with Chris Heine a day early this week because this week is weird. The Wolves play Monday afternoon. It's a 3 p.m. start from LK Day. So we decided to bump this up a day and reflect on the Wolves home back to back this weekend against Phoenix on Friday, Cleveland on Saturday, a back to back They won both games of, which I believe means they have won in their last eight games. They are undefeated when they don't play the Detroit Pistons, maybe nine games, something like that. It's, 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 uh, they've been successful recently, not against, uh, the Pistons. Again, Chris Hines, my guest today, Chris, thanks for doing this on a Sunday and congratulations
2: to your 49ers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, it was a little, little shaky in the first half there, uh. As the meme says, they might have had us in the first half, <laughs> but uh second half was a much different story. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Vikings later today. If it's going to be a Niners Vikings. Is that uh, what it
1: is? So I was kind of like off the because I was at the game. So is mm-hmm. it no matter what? If Vikings win, then it's Niners.
2: Yeah, if Vikings okay. win. They play the Niners. Um, if the Giants win, they'll play the Eagles, and then the Niners face the Saints. Cowboys winner. This is what people come. To I know this exactly. We're, for. We're, we're starting I was breaking to the first... down the NFL playoff brackets. Uh, we're starting off hot here today.
1: I I was I like got to the media room yesterday at like four o'clock. Turned on my iPad. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have the the playoffs on like on by mm-hmm. side while I you know start getting ready for work. And I was like, oh, Jags Chargers. I know that's a playoff matchup. I hit play on it, and I'm watching it for like an hour. And I'm like, I was like, John, Jags are up thirteen nothing, and he's like, No, they're not. (laughs) They're not not even playing right now because they play at seven. I'm like, Oh, okay. I am definitely watching a a replay of like a week eight game between those two. So I am, I am off my. You're dialed in,
2: dialed into to the NFL. That's that's. That's what Dane's multi-sport, everybody.
1: Yes, yes, I do. I have a Buffalo Bills hat I got on. I do see that, yep, yep, yep. I think I got that at, like, Lids when I was, like, 18. So, (laughs) it's coming out today. Anyways. A lot
2: of of sweat in that hat, I'm sure, over the years.
1: (laughs) I think it was probably, like, the fourth time I've ever worn it. It's like $5 (laughs) at Lids. Um, Okay, let's let's talk about the Timberwolves. Um, Mm -hmm. That game last night against the Cavs was and i so you you had the the night off you weren't at yeah. the the wolves game you are watching watching your 49ers but you said you watched the game uh this morning the the replay and i wonder from the tv view did the effort and energy and all the things we've been talking about this team not having all year did that pop on tv yes. because in the stadium that i, I mean i haven't seen Anything like that since Patrick Beverly was was wearing a Wolves jersey, just in terms of tenacity from that team.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. The defensive effort I thought was just uh, spectacular. Uh, they have made everything difficult for Cleveland all night. Nothing was easy. It seemed like it seemed like the number one and two things they wanted to do on the on the game plan scouting for, which was you know kind of get the ball out of yeah. Garland and Mitchell's hands and stop the rollers. From, mm-hmm. from killing them. Like, they did that. I was like, okay, we're going to live with anything else beating us tonight, except for these two guys and and these easy buckets that they'll get at the rim. Mm-hmm. So, anything else that beats us, fine. Great. Um, but I just thought, it, it was up and down the roster, too, Dave. That was That was what was remarkable about last night, was, like, everybody was making big defensive plays. I remember the, the Jalen Noel. Jay, Noel made yeah. that steal and then goes coast to coast for a three-point play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca Garza getting in there with some good minutes. Uh, everybody just uh, Jay, I thought Jaden played one of his best games when he was on the floor. Um, yeah. You know, obviously he got into foul trouble, but when he was on the floor, he was really, really good. And I, I'm watching the game. And I think it was in the third quarter they're down 14 and Rudy's out and Jaden's in foul trouble with his fifth foul. I'm thinking to myself, they won this game. How did they, (laughs) how did they, how did they come back and win this? And it was just, it really was the most complete. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it their best game, like, but it was their most complete team effort uh, up and down the roster. Everybody that hit the floor last night played at a high level and especially on the defensive end in that second half, it was, yeah, it's like you, you wonder, it's like, why can't they do this on a more regular basis? That's what you get left with uh, after a night like that. It was,
1: yeah, it was just completely different than what we've come to expect from an effort standpoint from from this Wolves team. I asked mm-hmm. I asked Chris Finch about that after the game. A lot of times this season you've talked about physicality not being there after games and some of that connectivity.
3: I mean, is this the complete opposite side of that as much as you've seen this year? Absolutely. You know, I think it's one of of our more mature wins for sure. Um, You know, got down, fought back, got down, fought back, executed the game plan to a high level. Um, You know, put our bodies on people. Um, You know,
1: Loman was really good tonight. Um, And it didn't matter who it was. I thought they were there all night long. Um, yeah, shot contests were on Could you sense that coming? I mean, I feel like we've seen some more of that, at least in spurts, over the last few few weeks. You know? Yeah,
0: um, yeah. You
3: know, it's um, we, we've said from the beginning, like the you know one of the keys for us is like our ability is to play different defenses, and you know it took us a long time to find a foundation of our defense, and now we feel more comfortable, like toggling back and forth. Um, you know. At one point tonight, it, to me, it was like a whirlwind. I felt, you know, we had too much crap going on out there because, you know, uh, the way we started the game, I thought it was great. And then every sub, everything seemed to change. So, but tonight we settled into a rhythm defensively, which was key for us. So, Chris, I think that
1: that part about being able to play multiple defenses, plus the fly around mentality, the effort, the physicality, that not wavering is one of the best signs of the season for this team this year because that's what's deflated them so many times this year right is mm-hmm. different personnel coming in and out of the game needing to run different types of defensive schemes so as to be able to accommodate for that and when they can't do that that's when they a 12 when they're down by 12 it blows up to 20 or they're up by eight and then they fall down by 10 you know it mm-hmm. There's so much value to this team in consistency and being able to keep that consistency through different personnel and different styles of defense. Again, Chris Fitch is right. He's, he told us that many times back in training camp. Like, this is what's going to be able to define this team. we will we'll define this team one way or the other is the ability to do exactly what they did in this game against the, against the Cavs on On Saturday night, and obviously the question is is can that uh, sustain? But it is worth acknowledging that that for sure happened as well as it's happened. I think any game this season.
2: Yeah, and and you know we talked about that a lot coming into the season. Um, you know this switching defenses, coverages, all that. How is this team going to handle that? Because that was the plan coming into the season. And it certainly was choppy uh, when when Rudy and Carl were out there for the first part of the season. And, you know, Carl's out. And so you have Rudy on the floor more often. So you kind of settle into more of a rhythm. I thought I thought at least they had in their half court defense, uh, you know, when Carl was out and it was other things that were kind of killing them, you know, second chance points, things like that. But actual half court defense I thought was getting was was OK. And I think they have gotten just increasingly better as a defensive team in the in the half court overall, no matter kind of what they end up playing as the year has gone along. I I think you can I think you can say that Um, I I think it's just other things that tend to affect them um, or it's just more mental things and the effort things that, that come and creep up. I think when they are focused, they can be a decent defensive team in the half court. It's just getting all of that stuff together, you know, and having and having decent rebounding and having the right energy, having the right focus. I don't. They're not. I guess what I'm saying is they're not lacking for ability, on that end or athleticism. I think they can put it together and put it together on a consistent basis. It's just a matter of doing that. Um, And they got to just bottle that film from last night and, and, and remember that that is what this team is capable of. But Chris, um. <laughs>
1: we got to acknowledge that that film is also fairly irrelevant because yes. obviously no Carl Anthony Towns in the game. Yep.
2: No Rudy Gobert. No
1: Rudy Gobert in the second half. He played 13 minutes and D'Angelo yep. Russell didn't play the last 16 minutes of the game. So I'm not trying to be like that guy and and be yep. like, oh, no, like. It's act- true.
2: It's, it's very true.
1: Like those guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are going to continue to play. And. You know, I found it, I found it interesting in in like Ants' post game comments, and I, I'll play this. I'll play one of the things he said in a little bit. But he said after the game, like, you know, where where did this? Actually, let me play that clip first. Okay. And it stood out in in this game, just like the attitude shift of the team, particularly in the second half. I mean, we've talked a lot of times about like energy not being there. It was. It seemed like that was the biggest shift we've seen this year from you guys, and like this
3: is how we want to play. Would you
1: agree with that? Yeah,
3: for sure. Um, we had fat five guys out there that was willing to guard. Um, we was arguing over who gonna guard uh, Darius Garvin and D Mitch, Austin checking the game, cold off the bench. I got him. Third quarter, Jaden get four fouls. I said I got him. Slow mo, like I. So that's just we got dogs out there, man. So it was it's actually fun. It was fun playing in that fourth quarter, seeing like them lock up, cause that's what I would like to do too.
1: So, so that wasn't the only one, Chris. Like that, yeah. that is. I it and again, I'm I'm not taking away from that. They, they we we just talked about it. They did guard. They had five guys out there that were willing to guard, but you didn't have delo on the floor in in the last 16 minutes. So that draws into question the re like the reality of the duplication of this. Then you know, Ant also talked about why was the defense you know in the the second half you know so much more successful and and. Cleveland just shot way worse. And Ant goes, it's cuz we were flying all over the place, which is something they can't really or
2: don't really, really do when Rudy's really on the on floor a basis, right? And right.
1: then this one was the kicker too. He goes, he said he feels like they took the they've taken the next step as a team recently because everybody knows their rotations, when they're coming in, when they're coming out of the game. Which is great. I agree with that too but that is That's obviously going too. to change yeah. <laughs> so it's like again i, I don't like bringing up the, the first segment like maybe this is why the this is why the this awesome game might not mm-hmm. be able to be duplicated but what needs to be duplicated is the energy the ethos of of that yeah. game and and the question is can you do that once different players are in the mix who quite frankly are better players but our players that don't necessarily contribute to that we got five guys on the floor who can guard who can switch and guard everybody don't have five guys who can necessarily fly over the all over the place because you have two centers out there you know it's it feels like torian prince is a good in a good rhythm of when he comes in and when he comes out like how much does torian prince play when cats out it's just there is just as good as that game was there's this like inherent confliction of of what the how that game looked and what it might look like going forward.
2: I just think the the effort part of it like you said is the is the thing to to really bottle and if on a given night when you know everybody's back and healthy if it's not working then you have options at least where mm-hmm. you can you know you can turn to certain guys and say let's do this or let's try this. Um, I mean, that that could be valuable. But again, that's like you said, it's not something that's going to be a regular thing. I, and it kind of this this all kind of lines up what you're saying kind of lines up with what I was talking to some of the guys about after Wednesday's loss against Detroit. I had a, a a piece due for Friday's paper that was like a midseason look at where the where the Wolves were. And I just kind of broke it down by different numbers. Um, but one of the questions I asked them was, you know, what are you learning You know, in this time playing without Carl that you might be able to apply when Carl gets back. And I think I threw a quote in there from D'Lo or or, I think it was D'Lo that said it. Um, Basically, like, look, guys haven't played with each other. We don't know what it's going to look like when he's back out on the floor. Like, we just don't know. And it's a fair statement. So they're just like us. He's not trying to to sugarcoat it or anything like that and say, yeah, there's things we could. He's like, he's just being honest where it's like, we don't know what it's going to look like when Carl's back. Like, we just haven't played that much together. And that's still a, a lingering reality with this team when you really take a look at the big picture is that we still don't know ultimately what it's going to look like. I think Chris Finch has in his mind. um I think he has in his mind that Indiana game that yep. happened right before Thanksgiving. Like if, if, if you could picture what the Timberwolves ideally look like when everybody's healthy and, and, and rolling, it's that game at Indiana that they had right before Thanksgiving, which was the um, last
1: game Torian Prince played in before he got hurt, which right. I, I I do think Carl, right. point Carl got hurt everyone. a couple games later. Yep. Yeah.
2: Carl got hurt like maybe two or three games after that. Mm-hmm. And you know, th- I think Finch was hopeful that that was kind of what they were on track to becoming. Um, and the
1: effort was there right in that game. I yeah, mean, it yeah. looked that game like the game. It was the day before Thanksgiving, I believe Yeah, it was like, it was the first time I remember like th- this season, the wolves punching, getting punched back and then being able to punch back again, you know? And that yep. was what I felt last night against Cleveland as well. That has been though that second like retaliation punch has been so few and far between and they've they've won, you know, half their games this year with by basically just having the one good punch. But that that's what it is, right? Is it's this like ability to sustain the effort, the tenacity, the connectivity of the group once the other team starts playing well back at you. And and you're right that I'm sure I am sure the week when Carl's like, I'm ramping up to get back to play. That will be the film session is is that that Pacers game and and what it can look like for this team. And in ways I do agree, the Pacers win and the Cavs win look fairly similar. The we are. That is the Cavs game is one of 23 games without Carl and the Pacers game is one of 21 games without Carl. So to bet on this happening doesn't statistically seem, you know, likely to happen. But at the same time, as Finch was kind of saying after the game, like, it makes more sense to get more consistency as the year goes on. So I'm I'm not ruling it out. Like, what I saw last night in that game looks like it can be duplicated. While with the asterisks of there's going to be different players on the floor but it just seemed like a mentality shift of the group and i would include rudy in that when he was out there in the first half i don't think it was like Dilo was slacking in that no, game no. um it, it it's not like cat rudy and delo are like are this sore thumb in any sort of way they're just stylistically different and are a little bit hard to picture within the context of what the second half looked like last night they've got to th- put th- that picture together
2: i think i think the, the biggest thing that you can maybe take away from that game as well and and a little bit from this six of seven streak that they've been on here mm-hmm. is even with all the different lineup combinations different guys playing together different you know defensive assignments and and things like that they all seem to be playing with the collective mind Yes, they all they all seem to be on the same page, uh, at least last, especially last night on the defensive end of the floor. Like whatever issues might have been in terms of chemistry or communication or or just kind of those little things that weren't present early in the season, seem to be present over the last couple of weeks, almost regardless of who's on the floor at any given time. So I agree with that. That you, that you can carry forward. That's that's something you can carry forward when other guys come back.
1: Uh, Let's grab a break here. We'll be back with Chris in a minute and a half. Today's show is sponsored by the Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is one of the world's most successful firms at scaling brands across direct to consumer and retail channels. Their consultants have helped over 300 brands generate more than $3 billion in retail sales thanks to their marketing team's next-gen technologies to influence consumers. Currently, their sales team manages over 100 brands found online and on retail shelves around the world. On average, after working with the Genesis Company, clients increase the valuation of their firm by a factor of three. So whether you want to build your brand or eventually sell your firm, they're undefeated and the best of the best. Because they are Minnesota-based and fans of this podcast, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI that lets any founder know if their brand is meeting its potential. In a few hours, you'll know how big your brand is supposed to be. Email them at grow at sign the to get your free access and find out if your brand can be the next big thing. That's grow at the Today's show is sponsored by Hyacinth restaurant in St. Paul. And I love having local businesses on as sponsors like the breweries and like Hyacinth because they are places I can really picture you going to and enjoying. Hyacinth is a place that I personally have really come to love. I'm not at all a foodie. So at first I was kind of worried about working with an award winning Italian restaurant, then I went there, and the vibe was homey, not at all pretentious. I felt comfortable, and the food comes out. The food is amazing there. Obviously, high-level Italian cuisine, but also diverse in the options you can choose from. So Piacent, that's spelled H-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H, has genuinely become one of my favorite restaurants and a place I actually frequent in my personal life. I said before, we went there for my mom's birthday in December, and we also went as a family a few days after Christmas. I mean, you're going to go to restaurants in 2023. So if you do live in the cities, I really would highly recommend checking out Hyacinth. Support a local business and support a business that is specifically tied to our little Wolves community we have here. That's Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul on Grand Avenue. All right, Chris, a key part of the game, or as if people didn't watch the game, you know, you're going to look at the box score and you're going to see D'Angelo Russell not having played his normal assortment of minutes in that game. Uh I believe he did not play for the final 16. I think he subbed out with 4 minutes left in the yeah. third quarter and uh did not come back into the game. I think if you watched the game and were like paying close attention or if you were at the game, you could see that Delo was set to check in at one point. I asked I asked Finch about that. What went into Delo just kind of confirming what I think we all thought for the reason why Delo did did not come back into the game. Here's Finch. Look like at D'Angelo coming to check in at about the, the five minute yeah. mark, and then and then
3: Jalen. Yeah, it he, was for Jalen. Jalen makes the bucket. Yeah, like, you know, and then DeLo looked at me, and and I looked at him. I was like, hey, let's, you know, let's roll with it. it was a big big play. Um, you know, uh, DeLo was 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 fine. So. You know.
1: So I I. I... Think that was the case too. You could see it like at the yeah. game, you know. That's kind of right in front of us. There, deal was was sitting there waiting. I, I saw Jalen get the end one, and my eyes like immediately darted over to the bench, and then I i saw Finch and Dilo having that conversation, and like, and Dilo, it wasn't like put his head down and went back there. You know, he like clapped it up. I think he got mm-hmm. it. You know, like this, yeah. particularly because it was Jalen too, right? Who struggled so much recently.
2: Yeah. And, I think yeah.
1: Finch saw some value in. I don't want to say throwing him scraps, but throwing him that, you know, throwing the the closing of the game because he was playing well. But I just I wanted to make sure to put that context out there of why D'Lo didn't play, uh, and I also think it was a good decision that that D'Lo didn't play at the end of that game.
2: And, and props to D'Lo, you know, for being willing to mm-hmm. do something like that and and you know, kind of make that sacrifice for the for the betterment of of the team mm-hmm. in, in a given situation. You know, not everybody's willing to do that and we know he wants to be out there on the floor and we remember what he said after game six of the playoffs last year. And, you know, so it's, it's positive when you see that and it definitely contributes to a, you know, a, a positive vibe around, around the group. So, you know, I, you should give him some credit for, for that, no matter how you may feel about D'Angelo Russell overall. Sure. Um, and we we've seen that before too. Uh, what was it Portland. The Portland game? Yeah. The Portland game where, Delo didn't check back in for the last eight, nine minutes. And what's the
1: similarity between Portland's roster and Cleveland's roster? Two dynamic guards. Guards who
2: can explode with the ball in their hands. Yeah.
1: And so I I think that was a, a definite factor. And, you know, if and when the Wolves are playing teams like that, that have you have Jaden can't guard both of them, you know, like, (laughs) right. right. Like when, when it needs to be another guard in the mix, um, guarding, like those might be the situations where, where D'Lo doesn't close games or, or doesn't play as much that though, that has been the through line of his quote unquote benchings is, is that, I mean, it's what we've been saying all year. Defensive. They just don't have that many wing stoppers. And that's obviously not one of D'Lo's strengths. I thought it was interesting to start the game, they, they put D'Lo on Garland. Like that was his matchup. And, uh, they put Jaden on Donovan Mitchell, which, I mean, I, I think you just look at the Wolves starting lineup and you would be like, okay, well you put Ant and Jaden on Mitchell and Garland, but I, I kind of like it didn't last that long. Cause Rudy got, got hurt, but they did the funky thing where they put uh, Rudy in that spiral on a Coro, right. who's like six, five. And, and then they put Anthony Edwards on Evan Mobley. Um, so that they, it, it was just like an interesting way to go about it. Point being is like, I don't know if Finch has totally found ways to accommodate for these two guards, but he's added to his bag of ways in which, given the Wolves limited wing defender options, these different sort of looks. I think he really likes. That Rudy in a spiral thing, a
2: spiral. Yeah, I mean
1: that was a match. Like, there's been times where it's like, okay, if Rudy's guarding a center who can't shoot, like, sure. Or the other team has a center who can't shoot. This one was weird though. It was like a two, three guard, or you know, Isaac Okoro. Um, so to me, that that signals that Finch likes Rudy in the spiral, and and in this matchup, I thought it was really interesting that it put in addition, Finch chose to put an additional emphasis on D'Lo as a perimeter defender. Obviously, everything changes in the second half once once Rudy's ruled out. But that's also kind of Finch being like, "Okay, Dilo like we we're giving you a pretty big responsibility here because we think it helps out Rudy and and the defense of the whole." So it was a crazy game from a defensive standpoint. A million different things happened because a million different players played. But yeah, I just wanted to like contextualize how I perceived Dilo's role in this game to go.
2: Yeah. He he said something too uh, in the locker room before the, the Detroit game about, you know, maybe wanting to play a little more like just on ball defense as well. So I'm not I'm, I'm not surprised. Maybe this maybe this came from some sort of desire to to do. Dude, that. he was saying perhaps, he was saying so.
1: pregame be- when I was in the locker room before too, he was like, mm-hmm. I got Garland tonight. And I was yeah. I kinda thought he was like, the, you know, they have the previous game up there and it so they were yeah. showing on the TV. They were showing Garland when he's going off for like twenty or whatever he did in the fourth quarter. Last time he Mm -hmm. played the Wolves and he's like and D'o's like I'm clamping Garland today. And I'm like, I just didn't it didn't make sense in my mind how they could match that up because I didn't picture the Rudy on a coro thing. But to your I I'm just saying that to affirm your point that I think D'Lo actually kind of wants this, like this this added sort of defensive responsibility, which I think is counterintuitive to some people. But uh, I think he's understanding that this team needs that.
2: Maybe and maybe it gets him more engaged defensively. Yeah. You know, if that's if that's what he needs to, mm-hmm. to, to be a more engaged defender, I don't I don't know if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be a little skeptical about that. But uh, if 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 it helps overall and it helps keep him, you know, in tune on that end of the floor, as opposed to being more off the ball or mm-hmm. just trying to hide him where he might tend to slack off or, you know, just kind of tune out on that end of the floor, then maybe it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen that with Ant, too, where it's like when Ant is playing on-ball defense and he's trying to lock somebody up, he can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Where he struggles is the attention span off the ball. Yep, And that's his biggest weakness as a, as a defender. So maybe that's maybe that's part of it, is just trying to get D'Lo more engaged on that end of the floor by giving him you know, a, a prime assignment like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think against a smaller, less physical guard like Garland, I, I, I do think that makes sense. So now is when I'm going into games, mm-hmm. like thinking of mm-hmm. matchups, I am going to start considering D, it making sense to put Dilo on a, a, even a pretty dynamic point guard, so long as it isn't one of those guards who can really overpower Dilo. I think that's where this. Uh, seems to be moving related to to the defense. Um, well, just again, everything changed when when Rudy's out of the game. You now have you have the, the game plan of okay, Rudy's going to be in the spiral, and if he's not going to be there, he's going to be in a drop. And Rudy comes out of the game, and it's Nas, right? And and then it's as Nas does pretty much every time. It's what he's good at. He's like up in the coverage, and everything starts. Yeah. Everything starts scrambling around. You know, credit to Nas. I thought he did good at the, good in that. I thought the team did good in that as a whole and Mitchell and Garland are pretty good at picking that stuff apart typically. Remember last year Garland torched the Wolves high wall at one point. So I was like when it got to the second half I'm like uh-oh. Like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jaden's got five fouls like 2 minutes into the second half. I'm like this is not going to work. But uh but it did and and it was the high wall that unlocked that fly around Mentality. Nas did that. And then it was also interesting that they went with Garza as the backup center. Right. Um in you know, in those minutes from Nas. And Garza likes playing up in the in the high wall as well. We were talking on media row, like, why do we think it's gonna be Garza or do we think it's gonna be Knight now who who plays in this? And we were all, me, John, and Britt were all like, I think it'll be Knight. Like it, you know, physicality against the the, the Cavs front court but they but they went with garza that proved to be a really smart move garza was really good and uh he likes he likes playing he likes playing up in that coverage
2: yeah i think too they also just needed some offensive pop as well yep. and so yeah know, they were down like 13 they were, they were down whatever. double digits at that point in the game and, um so i'm not i, I was not as surprised that they won't look at garza um, but yeah. I, I shared your feeling. Like I said, I saw they're down double digits. Jaden's out. Rudy's out. How in the world <laughs> did they come back to win that game? And you know, I, I wonder about the high wall and just the the muscle memory that they have to kind of go back to it. Mm-hmm. And how realistic, and you kind of touched on it before, how realistic is it that that's something that can they can do on a regular basis? um and well according to they finch just, they have to right yeah can, right can they just pull it out like they're struggling defensively they need a like okay all of a sudden we're going to high wall you, you can't it's like you say you can't do it with rudy or you can't do it regularly with rudy at the very least it's and just so i don't i don't know where it, different
1: like rudy has yeah. played up more i'm sure yeah. this year than he has any year in his career but it It's different when like Nas is coming up to touch and then sprinting back to the block, you know, like obviously Rudy Gobert is 10 times the defender that Nas is. But Nas can just move his feet in that way. That's different. And that's really what triggers that whole defensive action. Right. Is when we say flying around, the flying around starts with the center up, like hustling his ass to slide to the right. Sprint back down, and then the fly around comes off of that. Somebody's got to close out to the corner. Somebody's got to close off above the break. And that's where they get all those little cheap steals, tips, all that stuff. And Rudy is not has not shown that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't look the same there. Now I think the question I have once Carl's back is, you know. Who's better at that between the two of them? Carl was pretty good up in that last year. Was that because Uh of Van Vando and Beverly? Yeah, probably. But again, as we were talking about, as Finch said, we played that clip at the beginning. It's going to be necessary to find these different ways to play because there's different times that are going to call and different matchups that are going to call for different things. Cleveland was a game that if you could, you would have wanted to probably go high wall the whole time to try and get the ball out of Mitchell and Garland's hands. They only did that once they had to do it. Once, once uh, Rudy was, was out of the game. It's just, it's this interesting conundrum that we've been talking about all season.
2: It it makes you wonder, you know, when, when they do get back to, to cat and Rudy, what do the cat only minutes look like? Mm -hmm. Is it okay? We're going to play high wall now for six minutes or seven minutes. And then we're going to go back to more drop when Rudy comes back in the game, Mm -hmm. or is it going to, or are they going to try just to kind of continue what they had, what the game plan was with Rudy in there, just for continuity's sake and the sake of not trying to confuse themselves, which is what happened a lot earlier in the season Mm -hmm. when they would try to mix up these coverages, you know, going back and forth between one or the other. Um,
1: I think Prince and Anderson make a world of difference in being able to to do that toggle that that Bench is talking about. Like, I I have more, obviously, you know, Prince and Anderson were playing at the beginning of the season and it didn't work largely. But that's where I give a little bit of the pass of no training camp for Cat or Rudy. Um, So TP and Kyle couldn't even acclimate to that because they had nothing to acclimate to. Now they've both, you know, played 30, 40 games. 30 games, I guess, for them. Um, and I I feel I feel better about their sort of connectivity translating to the group um now, like once Carl's back. And and I think we've learned that those two in particular are so critical for for making this making this defensive toggle happen for this team, which the coach has stated is gonna be one of the most defining things. Of, of, of the season for this team. so that that's I think that's the glass half full with it that you can makes you believe a little bit that it could sustain.
2: Yeah and, and that's why I say the, the biggest takeaway that you can take from the last seven games or so is the fact that they do just seem to be on the same mm-hmm. plane mentally communication wise chemistry wise um, with each other in a way that they were not in the first 15-ish games of the mm-hmm. season. Um, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I have I have my doubts. <laughs> sure. When, when, whenever it comes to this team in, in defense and in executing things on a regular consistent basis, I am just generally skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. Um. But last night was encouraging. They'll, they'll show me something if on if on Monday, yeah, at three o'clock, everybody's nap time. I'm big on this. This is, this is one of my things. Because like, it's your nap time. Be, <laughs> it's it is usually my nap time. Beware of the nap time, start times, yeah. uh, especially for a team that has had trouble finding consistent energy and effort on a nightly basis coming up for a three o'clock start against the Utah team that we know mm. always tends to bring it. Um, they'll show me something if they can come out with with that same level of focus, effort, intensity, especially on the defensive end uh, that they had the other night, if they can do that on a Monday afternoon.
1: One more break, and then uh, we'll be back for one more short segment with uh, Chris Hein.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, Chris, I think that pretty much covers most of the stuff I wanted to uh, hit from the the Cleveland game specifically. Um, I, I don't know if this is like, if the ant hip thing has become old news now because he played (laughs) in these two games, but it's like, I don't know. We, we had like blips of that last season. That's
2: what what happens when they're winning. Right. You know, if if it's, if they're losing to Detroit, (laughs) it becomes, it becomes a problem again. Right. But when they're winning hip hips, feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's happy. You know, nobody's calling for the coach to be fired. All that, you know, all that, all that stuff.
1: So let's, Let's go back through the past week, I think it was of the or as last, last Sunday, when they're they're playing in Houston, you're in Houston, we're all going into that game thinking Ant is not going to play one because he told us in the locker room right. after the last game that he's not going to play. But you're there on site, and before the game, you heard that Austin Rivers told him he they needed him they needed Ant to play in that game against Houston. That's how that went down, right?
2: So, something something like that. I, I don't know if that was like the deciding thing or, or things like that. Or it was just like, you know, him encouraging him to play or whatever. I, I'm not I'm not 100% certain how that went down. I just, I was just surprised that Ant played because we walked out of Finch's availability, which was an hour and a half before the game. And I saw Ant just just rolling into the mm-hmm. arena at that point in time, which is kind of unusual. That's that, very that they, out he, of the game behavior. There, yeah. That he's not there as early uh, or earlier than he was. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed at that point in time that he wasn't playing that night, that he's just coming to sit on a bench and support his teammates. Um, but then when I walked into the locker room, open locker room, he's getting ready. and He's warming up and you know, he's going out there. And, and sure enough, he played. And then Wednesday, you know, we obviously saw what happened there with coming in and out, being ruled out of the game and then coming back in the third quarter. After being ruled out, yep. uh, because he saw that they were trailing by double digits and wanting to get back in there, and he said that's exactly what happened. He's like, I saw how the game was going, and mm-hmm. and I wanted to get back out there, so he <laughs> he gets back out there, and you know, it's just it seems like a, a a tug of I don't know tug of war, or just a, a push and pull here where it's like I think Ant could probably use a night off or two. Um, I, I think in the back of his mind. He 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 might know that, but also he doesn't want to let the team down. He doesn't want to let his teammates down. I think the I think Finch, the coaching staff, if he's able to go, would just like him to to go, right. um, because the difference. I had this in my story on Friday. The difference with him on the floor and off the floor with their offensive rating is dramatic. Yeah, it, Uh very dramatic. Um, so, as it is to the eye test. Yeah, so he he makes such a big difference out there that even if he's at 80% or 85%, like Mm -hmm. he can go. And, you know, with something like that, the hip soreness and a a bruise, as as Finch called it, Finch said it was a deep bruise. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. but Maybe somebody out there can, can do this, but is it, is it the kind of thing where would rest heal something like that? Or would playing through it, not Does playing through it, not make it, potentially any worse Mm -hmm. you know i am sure they've they've talked that over kind of the risks and rewards of of playing through that um so i don't know i don't know how that i I got the uh, into the equation
1: i got the austin clip from after the the phoenix game where i i asked him uh, about that specifically and he he suggests here is that playing through an injury that doesn't risk long-term injury actually mm-hmm. can be beneficial in you know in actually recovering faster from that injury again I'm not a doctor neither is Austin Rivers but <laughs> but this is what this is what Austin said about that Austin Ant had 31 tonight he mentioned before after the Houston game that you talked to him about needing him to to play in that game why why has it been
3: important that Ant has been here every game through this rather than taking a day he's our best player so we're just much better on the floor with him out there it's just he um I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's, he's, he's just our best player, bro. So uh, he has a huge responsibility every night, scoring. He play makes. He also can defend when he wants to. You know, we're obviously pushing him to get better at that. But he's just, yeah, we need him on the floor. Unless it's something that he really feels like he can't go, then he's got to take care of himself. But, yeah, I try to, you know, just get him out there. And sometimes when you're, you're sore and you play, you actually end up healing faster. When you, like, play through stuff, your body acclimates. You, like, sit and get stiff. It gets, like, sore and swollen. Like playing through stuff sometimes like dudes you know that's why people lift after the game like putting that pressure that load on your body your body adjusts and learn how to take it you know what i mean and, um we're, you know we're close to all-star breaks and stuff like that where guys can get breaks and time off and we have a back-to-back tomorrow and after that we'll have a whole day off you know that's the day he comes in and i gonna make sure he don't touch a ball you know what i mean just do all treatment and work like that but you know um you know when it's game time yeah we I can. You know, we need our best player out there. Like Obviously, some injuries you just can't play through, but can that kind of set a tone of guys really like? Yeah, it just sets the tone that, man. Like, this dude's invested, man. Like, he's here. You know, like, this guy's playing through injuries, you know, no matter who playing here, playing. You know, Houston's a game, a lot of guys would just sit out, like, hey, we'll win without him or whatever, whatever. But, you know, Ant came out there, really showed us, you know, that, you know, when your best player is that invested, it means a lot. So uh, I think he sets the tone.
1: So I think that the tone part, Is interesting right Chris and I I think I agree with that and and I don't know one of my buzzwords recently with this team is like the margin for error is so thin with this team and and I do think that and I'm not saying it would have necessarily been a bad idea to rest ant for a game or two but I think the risk you incur there is that those two games if ant would have sat them out like wherever it was like, I could see the Wolves getting killed in those two games. And then, what is the residual impact if that does happen? And and I'm, the, I'm there with everybody else who was like, frustrated, like, why the hell? I mean, Kyle came on here on Friday. It was like, what? Ant is dribbling the ball out, like, holding his hip as, like, time expires when they're down by 20 in Detroit? That makes no sense. I'm with that. I, I just do think and if I had to get in Finch's head, like, he is prioritizing protecting the team against the floor completely dropping out in a game or two that, that Ant would sit. Now, ultimately, right, like the tr- Detroit game couldn't have right. been any worse, so it's like maybe we should have just taken the bullet in that one and w- whatever, but that's the line of logic that makes sense in in my head with this.
2: I, I, think, I think that's right, and I flash back to something – I want to say it was Finch's first season. Um, when he just a couple maybe a couple weeks or a month or after he just got the job. Yeah. And he mentioned this. He like did. this is not this is not something that's new for Finch. Finch talked about this very early in his tenure. He hates about resting. wanting he hates when guys not not hate, but like he doesn't yeah. want guys playing sitting out if they're just sore. Like he wanted to establish a tone and a culture early on in his tenure of if guys are just kind of nicked up or, or, you know, and it's not a serious injury or something that really does require rest, having them out there and trying to push through and play through whatever soreness you're going to have. We hear it all the time from guys in the NBA. It's like, listen, at any point in the season, you're never 100%. Something's always going to be bothering you uh, no matter what. And so I think that this this lines up with what Finch has wanted to install with this team from day one, which is that mentality of you're just a little bit sore or whatever. This is not a long term risk to you. Like, we'll get you treatment, we'll get you whatever you need, you know, but try to be available to play on any given night. And Finch would hate coaching
1: the Clippers. I think he'd quit.
2: Yeah. It might. Um, I, I just think, especially at that point in time, you know, with with guys who are just trying to establish themselves, um, you know, he's he's also trying to help their careers out. It's like, look, if you're if you're more available, you're going to be more valuable than if you're not available. Like it, that's beneficial for your career in the long run. And so, with Ant, you you have a guy who's in his third year. You're trying to develop habits, right? You're still in. You're still in the mode where you're trying to get this guy to be an NBA player and do the things that guys who have been in the league for 10, 12 years who are, who are superstars have done. And some of them, as we know, are famous for taking nights off. Other guys pride themselves on trying to be as available as possible, barring any sort of uh, more serious injury. Mm -hmm. So they're. I think. They're, I think they're just trying to get Ant to be one of those guys who listen. You're a little bit sore or whatnot. Can you play through it? Yes, then you should play through it. Mm-hmm. And I. Th- I think that. I think it's born out of that mentality that Finch has tried to instill from from his first few weeks on the job.
1: It's not to be like the guy who covers the team, Bobo, who's like standing for that team's player to be into the All Star game. But I. I really think. And I just don't know how much this will be contextualized when the coach's vote comes out for, you know, for Ant to, to make the all-star team or to not. Mm-hmm. But, man, I'm just being honest for me, as objectively as I can, like, I would, if it were me in that spot, if I was tasked with voting on, picking on that, like, and having the context of covering this team and, be, and watching every night, like, the value of Ant, and having played in every game, and what he's done in becoming a significantly more consistent player while his usage has bumped up over the past last two months without his percentages dropping. I mean, I'm kind of at the point of like, what more could have Ant done over these last 25 games? I realize that's like really, really high praise, but for me, I feel that way because I was so bothered I guess through Ant's first two seasons by the inconsistency of it and it was like even whether it be the over the course of a week or over the course of the game Ant was a wildly inconsistent player in terms of effort and effectiveness and that that leap has come I don't know how we define the leap the whatever but Ant's consistency and, and playing through this in a time when this roster dismembered by injuries needed it like that, that it's a strong, it's a strong all-star case in, in my opinion. And I know that that has to go up against maybe like a deer and Fox whose team has played a lot better. Who's maybe has very similar numbers to ant, but I I, I don't know. I, I actually like fall on the, the side of the whole ant hip conundrum of like, damn ant, like, Props. You've you have exceeded my expectations of where I thought you were at at 21 years old in terms of your pro- productivity and willingness to play hard. And playing hard is sometimes just playing, you know, playing playing through injury. So I don't know. I feel like I've talked about Ant making the all star team the last few times, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm on that. man that's what I was saying. Like keep the team 500. Keep the team 500 when cat's out. I think that punches your ticket to the all star game. And and I I I think he's done that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much the coaching block of voters or the players are going to really notice that. Like, you know, they don't cover this team on a daily basis. They're just looking at Mm -hmm. what they see on film. And and and, and,
1: you know, and and... I don't. We don't cover the Kings, so I'm sure we don't cover the
2: Kings. So we don't know what what Fox has been up to and things like that. What would we do if we were voting for Mm -hmm. the? We're looking at the numbers, right? Yeah. We're looking at the numbers. We're looking at the record, and then we're making a decision from there. We're not necessarily investigating the mm-hmm. deer and foxes played through a, a sore ankle for a month now, right? You know, right, right yeah. we, we don't know that, you know. So
1: it is going to kind of it, be. It's easy. It's easy, bullshit, it's easy to
2: say that. Yeah, it's easy to say that. If Paul George point gets it view.
1: over Ant, though, like it so goes against everything you were just saying about Fitch and load yeah. management and and all that stuff. And I think that you know that could could happen as well but i don't know mm-hmm. if if you value playing night in and night out to a high level you have to consider that you know with Ant and whatever all-star game aside when we're just assessing ants you know since thanksgiving since carl went out like that just again i just i credit credit to ant in that and and it's not something I, I expected to, to play out. Oh, 100%.
2: Here. Without him, this team is nowhere near 500. Um, without him either playing or playing at the level that he's at, mm-hmm. um, I, I you shudder to think where, where this team might Seriously. be right now if he hasn't been available on a nightly basis and hasn't been playing at the level that he has, mm-hmm. which is shaking off some of his earlier inconsistencies. And obviously, it helps because... Carl's injury helped to clarify usage and who was going to be having the ball in their hands and who was going to be taking the shots. Like you remove Carl, it removes some of those questions that were lingering earlier in the year. It's like, all right, well, yep. now, yeah, Ant needs more shots and needs the ball in his hand a lot more. So I think Carl's injury did benefit him from just that point of view where it's like, OK, I don't have to defer to Cat on a nightly basis now. I can, I'm the guy. I can kind of do what I want here.
1: Yeah, there's less um, confusion, right? Less
2: confusion, exactly. And does that continue? And that's the biggest question we have with <laughs> the offense. Does that continue when Carl comes back? Is Carl more of a second fiddle complementary mm-hmm. piece to the offense? Or is are things going to be still running through Carl? Um and that is the big question. <laughs> it's yeah, it's the that we have question. to answer in a few weeks whenever Carl comes back.
1: We'll see, man. Um, mm-hmm. Next up is uh, is Utah uh, Monday at 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 three p.m. And uh, I guess just for listeners, this week's gonna be a little bit. This is a weird week, like I said at the top. Um, in in terms of scheduling, we bump we bump Chris up. I'm gonna do uh, an episode tomorrow that will be after the game. That will be by myself. Whatever happens in that Jazz game, then I'm gonna bring on uh, Harrison Wind who covers the Denver Nuggets will kind of preview that matchup coming up. I actually want to ask him about, as Chris and I were just talking about, like Aaron Gordon is another one of those names who is a fringe all-star like Ant. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that Harrison is going to be like, yeah, man, I think Ant's been awesome, but <laughs> the Nuggets are the one seed and Aaron Gordon's the second best player. You know, it's like, that's a, that's a factor there too. So we'll have uh, well, have Harrison um come on, on, on Monday, then I I am going to, to Denver for this game. So we normally have our traditional rhythm of Chris Monday, Jace Wednesday, Britt Thursday, Kyle Friday. But this week's going to be a little bit weird. So there'll be plenty of episodes, but just they'll be coming out at uh, at slightly different times this week. Chris, I uh, appreciate you doing this one, doing it on a Sunday. Go watch some
2: football. That's right. Thanks, Dean.
1: All right. He's uh, Chris at Christopher Hine on Twitter, reading everything he does up at the startribune.com. Uh, I will see you at, uh, at target center on uh, Monday, right?
2: Yes. Yep. Nice afternoon tip off. we love that. for oh, it. We love it. We I love just, it.
1: I just uh, could uh, half the game player. Good.
2: Players may hate 3 PM starts, but writers love it. We oh, love it. It's
1: yes, the, it's best. the best. Uh, Again, he's, uh, he's Chris. I'm Dane until uh, Monday after the game